This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 25th of July 2023 at home in Wicklow. And it's a bit of a wrap-up episode of the week that's been. And I spend the first half of the episode, maybe, talking about some movies I've seen recently. Um, almost none of which are, are new movies couple of old ones a couple of recent ish ones and i just sort of do little mini reviews of those um i talk about a couple of weddings that have taken place um in the last few days um of people close to me to us here at hashtag blessed and i have some mental health stuff to talk about um, so that's in the latter part of the episode. I talk a bit about what we take in and what we see in the world, what we perceive and what we miss because we're focused on other things. Um, so fundamentally, I'm talking about um, picking up what the you know what life is putting down for us. You know, sometimes we miss that stuff when. It could be very beneficial to us if we we actually were aware or responsive or tuned into oh yeah that response is actually going to lead me to a good place if i'm alert to it um yeah that's it that's it that's what's coming up i have a few words about the the ashes the cricket <laughs> for the sports fans um but other than that it's business as usual um so come with me uh, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Now, you won't be in a world of pure imagination. You'll be in a world world of um, coping, resilience, positive psychology, and questions asked, but not always answered. Okay, I will see you around the corner. Cheers. Ooh, not gonna change my mind Leaving the dream behind my Hi. My name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You're very welcome. How are you? How's the, how's the last week or so been? <laughs> Do you like that one? Do you like the or so? Ah, for the past month or so. For a few days or so. Is that an Irishism or does that exist elsewhere? Anyway, how have you been over the last while? or so, there, thereabouts. This is going to be a fua, a fua, that kind of an episode. So if you're in the mood for a fua, you've come to the right place. That's what I'm chopping up in this delicate essen. Did you ever think of it that way? Delicate. Essen. Essen is German for eat, isn't it? Delicate Essen. Eating delicate things, delicacies. I have no idea what the etymology of that word is. But in any case, what I'm serving up at this particular delicate Essen is... A bit of that. That's going to be one of those episodes... So I hope you can stay loose and just hang and see where we end up. Yes. What do you call a questionable ass? An if but. <laughs> what do you call? What do you call? A bee. That comes after April. A maybe. So when we talk about if buts and maybes, we're talking about a questionable derriere uh, or a questioning caboose. That's an if but. And then we're talking about maybes, not June bees or July bees. Okay, that's that's what's going on. That's the vibe. 
that's what you've just gone click play I'm going to listen to this bozo for an hour or so we'll we'll wait and see we'll wait and see what uh, what what plays out um where to begin that's the question where to begin in this this weekly the weekly digest it's not always a weekly digest but in this weekly perambulation through the world of mental health resilience positive psychology coping politics philosophy psychology movies life parenting masculinity (laughs) cats chickens swimming um tai chi perhaps qigong karate (laughs) karate 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 all of these things may or may not come up but they're all ever present somewhere in and around hashtag blessed which is the location where the clear out is recorded once a week and has been for the last two years so i can tell you i was just in the water um not very long ago not very long ago at all i had one of those i had one of those days so where does your mind go where does it travel to what memory board or memory wall do you gaze upon when i say that i had one of those days do you go instinctively to the negative place because that would be correct (laughs) i had one of those days where i just could not bring the day to heal i couldn't wrangle the day into a corral of my liking i just couldn't i just couldn't get on top of whatever this day was and yeah um it was a struggle and i thought i would have been recording this earlier today as as it happens i'm recording it at night um the day just got away from me and i think ultimately i was i was having a, a moment's reflection on it i think ultimately i did follow my own advice even though i was frustrated and i couldn't quite find my mojo i thought i was going to have a highly productive day and it turned out not to be that at all and in fact i put myself to sleep twice <laughs> now i wasn't i wasn't listening to this podcast that's not how i put myself to sleep um i'm using that that particular phrasing um like a, like, I was, like I was putting a baby down, I put her to bed. I put myself to sleep. Not not like not not I fell asleep unintentionally. I intentionally lay down and set my alarm and slept twice today. Um, which didn't feel marvelous, but it felt needed, and I just sort of gave in to it. I was I was sitting at this microphone twice or three times already earlier today. And had to leave because I just couldn't summon what I needed to uh, to to do the work I wanted to do. Um, ultimately, late in the day, I did manage to record for the first time in a long time. I managed to record a little something for Aura, the wellness app, the wellness and sleep app. Uh, Aura, can you feel my aura? And I recorded a meditation there, which I called, what did I call it? I wanted to call it making room for the unloved parts of ourselves. And there's a, there's a, a letter limit. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't use that. So in the end, I wrote it as accepting the unloved parts of ourselves it's not quite as evocative making room has a different vibe um but that the impulse to do that 
little meditation for the app came from um, one of my Tai Chi classes a couple of weeks ago where one of the participants was just having a tough week and struggling with some emotional stuff and some big events in their life. And we spoke about the need to integrate all parts of ourselves and not try to reject the parts of ourselves that make us uncomfortable or challenge us, or the parts of ourselves that we just can't handle sometimes. Um, and I spoke about the idea of, you know, flow, because of course in a Tai Chi class or Qi Gong class, the objective is is flow, you know, to, to use breathing and the techniques to facilitate energy flow, flow of the life force, the chi or the ki as it's known in Japanese culture. And if we're blocking ourselves and we're arriving at red lights at parts of ourselves that we just can't handle, that just freak us out or make us want to scream, that's not flow. That's, um, like I said, that's a red light. That's an arrest. That's a full stop. Um, and it's it's very hard. I and mean, I've spoken about it. I refer to this often here on the podcast. It's easy to talk about mindfulness. It's easy to talk about self-care, self-compassion. It's easy to talk about acceptance or even radical acceptance. Um, and sometimes there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of sound bites and there's a lot of, you know, pithy platitudes and there's a lot of performative wellness that's, you know, put about the place. And I get very cynical about all of that. Um, I smell a rat, a very well-groomed, pretty, <laughs> pretty rat saying lots of nice things and using lots of nice language. I mean, this came up a couple of, a couple. was this last week's episode I was talking about this? The Jonah Hill controversy and therapy talk. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of, um, is it inauthentic or unauthentic? Inauthentic. Inauthentic, I think. Inauthentic wellness stuff out there. And here, here at the Clear Out, we try to remedy that. Inauthenticity by leaning into authenticity. And sometimes that can be a bit messy and a bit sloppy and not altogether cogent. And not a nice handy sound bite. Um, but it is what I do here. Um, yes. So you will hear me sometimes refer to things like radical acceptance. And you'll, can, you can hear those inverted commas around those two words. Just like holding the space. Now, did I hold the space for myself today? I don't know if I did. I don't know if I did. I was feeling pretty pretty narky with myself I had a, another great textbook parenting fail where I was shouting at my daughter um, which I did not feel very good about um, so that wasn't good um, thankfully I did see her at the end of the today she went off with a friend today and went for a sleepover and I had to drop off some stuff for her a little night package pyjamas and cuddlies and a toothbrush and the like and she was very excited to see me and gave me a big hug which I really really appreciated and I apologised to her for how I'd spoken to her earlier today um, and it was a nice little moment and I was very grateful to have had it Um. But yeah, for whatever reason, I'm a bit bent out of shape. Um, <laughs> I seem to be a bit bent out of shape currently in my life. Um, something has been lingering and not quite, not quite, not quite um, leaving the building. And the building I refer to is the edifice that is moi, this entity, me. Um... So yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't quite put my finger on where this vulnerability and volatility is is truly located. 
but um, I have been a bit all over the place um, and a bit mood swingy from day to day. Um, so that's, that hasn't been a lot of fun. I haven't really been enjoying that. And look, it's grand. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> excuse me, sorry. I'm not here to play the, the tiniest violin in the world. Do you know what I'm here to do? I'm here to drink this. That is, okay, licorice, <laughs> licorice and cinnamon tea with a bit of honey in it. I added some honey. Now, am I the only idiot in the world who says licorice and not licorice? So is licorice a terrible mispronunciation? I don't know. Okay, licorice and cinnamon tea. See, that, 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 that jars with me. Anyway, it's very nice. It's very soothing. So I was trying to tell you that I was in the water um, about two hours ago, I guess. Maybe a bit, no, a bit less than that, about an hour and a half ago. Um, dusk. So after sun, well, had the sun gone down? I don't know. Look, it was late evening. It was after dinner and I just had to get that circuit breaker. So I went for a swim in the river nearby. And I really just wanted to hit the river not see another human being get in swim and reset my brain but unfortunately a very chatty older couple wanted to talk to me about being back in Ireland and the problem with tenants and renters and you know how disappointed they were with the state of their house that they'd come back to after after it's been rented out for several years and it hadn't been taken care of. And I mean, it, it, like that's, that's legitimate. That is legitimate. Um, but unfortunately, there was a tone from the male member of this couple. Um, and he his tone was a little bit... It was a little bit... Uh, what word am I looking for? <laughs> it was a little bit, oh, the peasants are revolting. The things that they do, it's ridiculous. And he wanted to talk property with me. Uh, and I'm a renter myself. And he wanted to talk property. And I mentioned I'd moved back from Australia and he wanted to talk about property in Melbourne. And now a friend of his had sold a house for millions. And I was like, this is not the energy I need right now. I just wanted to get in the water. Um, but something, there's something I give off, some energy that I give off that is the opposite of stay the F away from me energy. Um, it's don't mind me, I'm in my speedos, please come and talk to me now energy. Uh, now that I'm half naked, I'd love to talk to you about life. <laughs> I'd love to talk to you about what's on your plate that's the energy I seem to give off um, because people approach me uh, unsolicited approachings and unburden themselves um, yes anyway I swam and the swim was good and here I am, here I am back here at the microphone. And I could have put this off till tomorrow night, uh, but I'm going to go and see Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer tomorrow night. I'm going to go with my brother. And that is a bit of a rapprochement with my brother. So we've had a bit of tension recently. And... Um, yeah, this is a thing I know we'll both enjoy, so it's important. And, and I want to see the movie as well. I heard Killian Murphy being interviewed on Mark Maron's podcast last week. And uh, yeah, he just came across really well, really, really well. And he was just talking about his career and how he began. Because Mark Maron, that's, you know, he's great at getting his guests to relax and go back and unpack the past and 
yeah, it was good. And, and he, yeah, Killian Murphy, he just, um, he just came across as very normal, very unaffected, uh, very kind of chilled. And I am looking forward to seeing him in this uh, in this movie. So I'll report back next week if I think of it, and let you know my thoughts on Oppenheimer. Um, yes. So, speaking of movies, speaking of movies, I watched I watched a couple of cop movies recently. Two movies which are in some circles considered classics one was William Friedkin's To Live and Die in L.A. that's um, from 1985 and a mere four years earlier but stylistically um, seemed to be from you know eons apart was Sidney Lumet's Prince of the City which I referred to a couple of months ago um, or last month when um, it was announced that Treat Williams had died because Treat Williams is the star and kind of driving force of Prince of the City. And it was a movie that I've read reviews about over the years and knew a little bit about the basic plot and I was curious to see it. So, um, yeah, I watched that the other night. Um, and To Live and Die in L.A., I remember it being advertised in movies as a kid. Um, so I would have been 11 when that was in the cinema. Um and I was too young to go and see that. I didn't have a kind of a big itch to go and see it. Um, yeah, it's... Um, to Live and Die in L.A. is kind of a a nasty but sort of full-blooded cop thriller actioner with a great car chase. William Friedkin trying to follow up what he did in French Connection except this time in L.A. Um, and as as, at the, as the kind of the chief kind of protagonist of the movie, you have William Peterson. William Peterson, who was in Michael Mann's Manhunter, the first Hannibal Lecter movie. Um, and yeah, a, an actor who... I'm always a little bit mystified by. I just can't see what the allure is. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about him. Um, but nothing I've seen him in has made me change my mind that he he just isn't very, I don't, I don't find him a very interesting actor. Um, he's like a, a poor man's Michael Keaton uh, and he did he he had some body movement in one scene to live and die in LA and I was going Who's, who does that remind me of and it was it was Michael Keaton Michael Keaton has that kind of twitchy nervous thing that he does um, but Michael Keaton is he's always good really he's always got something going on and I can't say that for for William Peterson Um He's just a bit, I don't know, sullen, a bit heavy. I, I, I don't think he's he's wooden as such, although he, he, he was walking very much like a 1980s man. <laughs> to live and die in L.A., a little bit bow-legged, a little bit cowboy booted, um, tight jeans. Um, yeah, strange. Very good Willem Dafoe in that movie. Um, yeah, and fascinating supporting role by... Now, I won't remember the actress's name, but is it is it Janice? Is that her name in Fraser? Who ends up with Niles? Is it, is it Janice? Is that her name? Is that the character's name who looks after John Mahoney, the dad? But she has this extraordinary supporting role in To Live and Die in L.A., as I think she's basically like a like a stripper come pole dancer who is having uh you know has a sort of a lesbian affair with Willem Dafoe's girlfriend and she's just there in several scenes just sort of lingering lasciviously in lingerie in the background 
There you go. That was a nice bit of uh, alliteration. Lingering lasciviously in lingerie. Anyway, to live in Del- to live and die in LA is, yeah, it's it's it, it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it, um, and it's it's just got a bit of something about it. It's got a bit of energy. Um, it's just got a bit of that freaking attitude that kind of pops off the screen. Um, quite uh, quite gory in places. Um, but also has a sort of an 80s sensibility, an 80s shorthand um, of, of, of masculinity that I don't think ages that well. It just lacks, it just lacks a bit of nuance, a bit of subtlety. It just doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't really allow the actor as much room to actually go on their arc. Um, and that allows me to then to segue to Prince of the City, which is more, and you'll see in reviews of the time, it's more sort of a, a verite documentary sort of vibe to it. Um, not fully. But there's a very different aesthetic and a very different look um, and a very different vibe. And it's it's quite long. Um, it's about two and three quarter hours long. And fundamentally, it's the story of a, of a cop who is part of this very successful um, narcotics squad who are all are all dirty they're all taking money from the various busts and um, they're you know bringing in these big collars but internal affairs um establishes itself and starts to investigate this particular unit and it's it's a funny one because again in terms of the storytelling treat williams suddenly presents himself uh, he's called in for an interview um, with one of the internal affairs guys and then he sort of laughs it off and tells him he's got nothing to give and blah 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 but then he kind of he comes back and you know comes back to the I think the, you know comes back to the guy's home and then leaves you know angrily because you know he's not he's you know he's trying to decide what he wants to do and then eventually decides he's going to be the guy to, you know, inform on corrupt cops. Um, but he won't rat on his partners. It's, you know, it's kind of really good, but kind of not good at all. And the, the Treat Williams' performance is all over the place and tonally very odd. Um, and sometimes the editing is really quite strange. Um Treat Williams basically looks like Colin Farrell's less good-looking older brother. Uh, he was 30 at the time, I think he made it. Um, and yeah, it's just a it's just a strange, it's a strange central performance. And again, I guess it's just a, it's just a, it's a style thing. It's an acting style crossover from the 70s meeting you know the very early 80s and it somehow doesn't quite come off um there's a lot of men with bad hair um and not great clothes staring meaningfully into each other's eyes and then one of them kicks off really angrily um but they're not really I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird one. Um, Like midway through the movie or two thirds of the way through the movie, one of the internal affairs guys is telling Treat Williams that he has to leave. He's got a promotion and he won't be working with him anymore. And Treat Williams congratulates him. Like, you know, like the guy's, you know, his best buddy who's just, you know, become a father for the first time. It's really, it makes no sense 
in the context of the story, in the context of Treat Williams being a cop who's informing on other cops and the stress he's under, it's really bizarre. Um, so yeah, so that was that was disappointing. That was disappointing, and yet, you know, it has sort of stayed with me, even it, just even as a an artifact from the very you know from nineteen eighty one, and just looking at the clothes and looking at even looking at the the body language and the the posture of, of the actors, um, you know, some extraordinary hair, <laughs> yeah. But there's nothing there's nothing cool or sexy about it. It's um, yeah, kind of fascinating. But I don't know if I'd bring myself to to, to watch it again. So there you go. Um, one more, two more actually. One more bad one, Venom, from a few years ago, uh, starring Tom Hardy and uh, Riz Ahmed and Michelle Williams. This was a Marvel superhero movie about the character Venom, who, Venom, I mean, the simplest way to describe Venom is he's like an evil Spider-Man, and I know hardcore comic nerds will be rolling over in their in their graves <laughs> or in their superhero covered beds because um, Venom is actually an alien parasite who takes over host bodies um, but when he emerges in his true form he's a black suited sharp fanged Spider-Man so I, I still feel my description is, is accurate enough anyway just a bizarrely not very interesting quite inept movie again bizarre editing choices Tom Hardy fine but not really that interesting or that charming and Tom Hardy in love with and being loved by Michelle Williams with zero chemistry between them a bizarre choice for Michelle Williams I feel who can be such a classy, classy actress. Um, Riz Ahmed, always quite good. Um, but just a very, yeah, just a very poorly made movie. And one thing I've noticed, I may have mentioned it before on the podcast, you can usually tell, you know, you, you can usually tell if a movie's good or not. You can you can you, you can often tell just by the opening scene, but usually by twenty minutes in to any movie, you have all the information you need. You have a sense of the stakes. You have a sense of the key characters. You have a sense of where things might be going. You certainly have a very strong sense of the point of departure, and you have a sense of caring about the protagonists in Venom it was almost 40 minutes before anything truly significant happened to our protagonist Tom Hardy and I was like oh my goodness this is ridiculously late to finally be you know getting our teeth into the, you know, the one of the main drivers of the story so, um, yeah, I kind of lazily and pathetically kind of watched that the other night. And, um, yeah, I wasn't happy at the end of it. But um, one thing I did watch that I enjoyed very much was the Jennifer Lopez documentary, Half Time. Um, so I watched that in the last week and a half or so as well. And Half Time was out, I guess, a year ago, maybe a bit less and was received very well it is authorised it is therefore curated and spun and controlled and yet Jennifer Lopez I think comes across really well in it and there's something about her just about her, her sincerity and her artistic ability 
um, and her desire to represent, her desire to be taken seriously and acknowledged um, and it's um, yeah it's pretty fascinating um, and she just seems again you know again like an authorised documentary you know but she does come across well and she comes across as pretty real for you know large parts of it um, and kind of probably the two main sort of plot drivers of the documentary are the fact that she's going to be appearing in at the the halftime show at the Super Bowl, which I guess was last year or two years ago, maybe three years ago, uh, which she did with Shakira, um, and it was a great you know she saw it as a great opportunity to represent um, you know Latinx culture uh, in the US. Um, but she did make a comment about how sort of insulting it was that they programmed or you know got two huge Latina stars to to sh- you know to share the halftime spot, where it's usually one act that gets that gig. Um, but yeah, no, it was very good. I actually found it quite moving, and um, so that was one of the 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 main kind of thing, plot points of the documentary and the other one was that she was on the campaign trail the awards campaign trail the promotional campaign trail for the movie Hustlers which is directed by Lorene Scafaria and that's an excellent excellent movie from a couple of years ago based on a true story about these um, pole dancers uh, who started to rip off their well-to-do um, clientele who you know weren't treating them particularly well and would come in and just like, throw money around and the women involved started to uh, yeah basically get a hold of their kind of bank details or cards or whatever and uh, defraud them of you know large sums of money and in the movie you know J-Lo is the the, the ringleader um and she's really, really good and very, very kind of charismatic and cool um, and just kind of a badass. And she hasn't had enough of those roles in her career. Like, brilliant in Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight with George Clooney. That's, you know, if I could only have one Jennifer Lopez performance, that would be it. She's, you know, really, you know, brilliant, tough, sexy in that movie. Very, very good. Great chemistry with George Clooney. See, this is the thing. You can't fake chemistry. You can't fake chemistry. Um, it's either there or it's not. Um, and it very much wasn't with Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams in Venom. But, um, yeah, so Half Time. If you haven't seen that one, and you mean, again, if you're, I suppose if you like J-Lo, you've already seen it many times, perhaps. But that was, um, that, that, that's one that's, uh, that's worth checking out. Anyway, look, there you go. I didn't realise I was going to do a quick movie wrap-up. But um, some quite different uh, films there. Um, What else has been going on? A couple of weddings. A couple of weddings. My sister-in-law got married at the weekend in Australia uh, on Friday. Uh, So congratulations to to Sarah and Rui. They had a, a lovely event that we were obviously unable to uh, attend but it went down very well I I sent them a poem <laughs> they're like thanks a lot <laughs> I may um, I was trying to get that poem written in time to bump it out to some people I knew who'd be at the wedding so they could uh, one of them was uh, my other sister-in-law my wife's older sister and one was a, a friend of the family's to see if he would read it out he did in the end and I'm told it went down quite well um, but I was sitting up late last Thursday night exhausted falling asleep at the computer uh, I had an idea for a poem that I quite liked so I wrote a version of the poem falling asleep for five minutes waking myself up continuing falling asleep for another five minutes waking up continuing and then when I finished that poem I just didn't like it at all and I scrapped it I just thought it was too sappy and sentimental 
So I I began again and um, I wrote something quite different. So I might I might share that one with you at some point. Not today, I don't think, but I'll, I'll share it with you in due course. Um, so that was their wedding. And then we were at another wedding. Uh, sorry, we weren't at that one, but there was another wedding the following day here in Ireland. In um, We were at a friend's wedding down in, in Wexford. Actually, the, the daughter of friends of ours was getting married. So that was that was a bit weird to think, oh, are we that age that the daughter of friends, a child of friends, could be getting married? Now, she's getting married youngish, mid-twenties. Not crazy young, though. But it was a... Um, it was a lovely wedding. It really was. It was really charming and fun. It wasn't it wasn't a huge crowd, but a really nice group of people there. Some lovely individual moments, some nice speeches. Um, I like the fact that the uh, the bride and her her father entered the, the ceremony room to the music of "How to Train Your Dragon." <laughs> And so again, that gives you an idea of um, the age profile. So that was nice. Um, and there was a young man in attendance, a friend of the the, the bride. Um, and he was a very distinctive looking guy who carried himself a very particular way, held himself a very particular way. And I was reminded of the, the Sesame Street song, like one of these kids is not like the others. And that was this guy. And later in the night, he took to the dance floor by himself in his very nice suit. And he just launched himself into this dance, which was kind of amazing. Um, Now, I'd never seen this guy before, so I think there are others who know him who maybe didn't bat an eyelid. But I was like, this is really cool and I was really I was really just going this is excellent it was just pure unadulterated personal expression and he had some moves Um, so there was something very held at the centre of his movement even though he was throwing himself about the place and doing some quite elaborate jumping spinning whirling moves um, and there was a part of me that was going has this guy had some training um, and then there was a part of me that was going there's no way this guy has had any training <laughs> but it was bloody brilliant and he it was just him on his own um, in an extraordinary uh, performance that I think I'm not even sure if it was for him or if it was for the bride and groom. It was probably for him, but he owned that dance floor and no one dared set foot on it while he was doing his thing. Um, And when he finished, the room erupted into applause and he just kind of smartened himself up and straightened his jacket and uh, walked off the floor without acknowledging anyone at all so that was a highlight for me I was just grinning uh, for the entire duration of what had taken place and it was yeah it was really excellent so well done well done that man most most impressive and and inspiring as well in its own way just um, walking his own path do you know what I mean if that doesn't inspire you, I mean, pity. I pity you. If that doesn't, uh, if that doesn't touch you or reach you, or make you go, hmm, maybe I could throw off a shackle or two. Anyway, um, what else? Do you know what else? I've become a father again. That's right. I've become a father to fourteen little chickens. The girls at hashtag blessed. Uh, that would be Charlotte and Bobo, the two hens. They emerged last week with baby chicks. Charlotte had been sitting on 14 eggs and hatched 
13 of them. And Bobo had been sitting on one, a solitary egg. And she didn't emerge at the same time as her sister. She stayed hidden. And I just assumed, geez, no, no chicken, no chicken baby for Bobo. But lo and behold, a day or two later, there she was with a single chick who we have, well, we, I say my daughter has dubbed Uno. So there are 14 new members to the hashtag blessed family. And, um, yeah, I'm looking, we're looking at a little fostering program with our, our friend up the road, Mr. Will. So we'll see what happens there, but they'll be, um, they'll be going to a safe place. And then some of them, not all of them will return to us, um, after the summer season, I think is the plan. So yeah, that's the, um, that's been the excitement. That has been the excitement around here. Um, one other thing I was thinking about one other thing or maybe two other things I was thinking about what was it oh they're connected they're connected fundamentally it's this idea of of what we take in yeah the idea of what we choose to see and what we choose to hear. Because that's very, very slippery, subjective territory. And I think I spoke earlier about not being in terrific form lately and trying to sort of negotiate that with myself and trying to locate where that's coming from. And I don't mind that. I mean, I quite, there's a part of me, not and not in a masochistic way, but there's a part of me that likes the challenge of that. There's a part of me that wants to get to the bottom of whatever the hell it is that's... Um, has me sort of turned inside out and that's grand but within that within the kind of the context of that sort of probing or trying to understand better um i've been thinking about well what am i what am i actually taking in like what am i hearing what am i seeing and then um what am I missing? Um, and it is, I think, I think, we, you know, you might surprise yourself by how, by how active you are in your selection process in terms of what you observe, perceive, identify, uh, home in on I think it's surprise yourself by how selective that process is you might think of yourself as being a bit more removed or a bit more um, you know passive slash receptive uh, whereby you might take in more you might be more sensitive to a broader range of things but I feel like I've caught myself recently going, I've really let myself focus on a particular thing at the expense of another thing. And then that made me think, okay, so what, what, what's that about? What am, I, what am I allowing myself to be drawn to? What am I allowing myself to be magnetized by? Um, and what, as a result of that, do I let slip through the net? Or what do I overlook? And I think that idea of seeing what we want to see, hearing what we want to hear, 
I mean, I think we can. I think that can be applied to our lives at large. Um, that that sort of self-selecting thing that we do, which my instinct feels like it's 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 it's, it's, it's quite subconscious. That we're not consciously going. I choose to overlook that. I choose to ignore that. I choose to see this thing. Um, I think that's a that's a worthwhile experiment to really see if you can catch yourself and go, why do I get drawn to this again and again and again? Why am I focusing on this part of the interpersonal clash that I'm having at the moment? Why did I not see that thing? Um, and that's you know that that that's very outward focused um from the subjective point of view you know what um you know put yourself at the center of that and go what am i seeing what am i doing you know the you as the agent you as the actor um and that's that's interesting i think just to see what you might learn from that and what's also interesting is the idea of you've heard me speak at different times if you're if you're a regular listener you've heard me speak at different times about the idea of response versus reaction um as a sort of a a staple of self-care and wellness and having a bit more control in your in your wellness regime or in your mental health sort of structure to to try and be responsive rather than reactive where you take a breath where you create that space to go hold on what is this here what am i actually dealing with how do i really feel about this what response is going to serve me best in this moment um i don't think that's a bad thing i don't think that's a bad thing to do that um but it does require a bit of practice it does require presence of mind um it does re- require the you know the cultivation of a certain calmness and cool thinking um but in that area of responses do you ever stop and ask yourself how am i being responded to how is the world responding to me what are the responses i'm getting and that can be a range of things because sometimes the response can be nothing <laughs> silence silence um <laughs> and sometimes the response can be anger sometimes the response can be laughter dismissal sometimes the response can be approval um love um and i find myself asking am i paying attention to the responses so there's one side of me going am i paying attention to what i'm doing what i'm seeing what i'm hearing what i'm taking in and then i'm thinking about well, what's beyond me and what what are the responses around me um am i overlooking those responses am i overlooking and and and, and this is probably you know really the area i'm trying to drive into here is am i overlooking positive responses am i failing to um acknowledge and affirm positive responses in my life because i'm so focused on other things or i'm you know i I suppose it's a little bit the the cliche of you can't see the wood for the trees um but again i think that is that is an area that is worth investigating 
because I think sometimes we can find ourselves feeling, and again, I'm not casting myself into this role specifically at the moment, but sometimes we can find ourselves feeling, um, you know, alienated or last week I spoke about this idea of, you know, loss of bearings and this idea of maybe feeling dislocated, um, ungrounded, unmoored. Um, and I think it's possible for us to get so caught up in our own stuff and so caught up in our inner turmoil or our personal sense of upset or whatever it might be anger disenchantment whatever that we stop paying attention to to indicators or or signs outside us um i think of uh david o russell's silver linings playbook and there's a key scene in that where jennifer lawrence's character confronts this whole uh, group of people um you know the kind of family and friends of bradley cooper's character who with whom she's falling in love um and primarily his father played by robert de niro who's a sports nut and highly superstitious and he makes some comment about how since she came on the scene you know the the juju the mojo for their team has been all wrong and then she goes into this sort of it's a real kind of showpiece um sequence where she very quickly rabbits off all the dates and facts and coincidences and times of you know being with bradley cooper and how that's impacted very positively the results and upward trend of the team they all love and she continually uses the phrase if it were me reading the signs you know that's what i'd say and so it's a good example of what i'm talking about where de niro is focused on his own kind of angst and his own sense of upset that his son recently discharged from a mental institution isn't spending more time with him and that's really what's driving his sense of uh, anxiety and his sense of upset and personal rejection and his consternation that he can't kind of cross find that bridge back to his son the relationship that he really wants and he's decided that it's this girl's fault (laughs) and his football team's doing crap as well but of course that's all it's all masking what he's what he's really concerned about and then she flips it she flips it and you know it's a nice it's quite a comic scene you know she flips it and he's like oh well yeah maybe no maybe she maybe she's a good thing <laughs> and he's just there going huh that makes sense um and kind of exposes the sort of the you know the fickle nature of his emotional campaign um but yeah it's like that idea then of are you reading the signs are you listening are you paying attention are you seeing are you picking up are you this is it this is what i wanted to say are you picking up what life is putting down for you and this is hansel and gretel in the woods this is hopefully not the breadcrumbs but hopefully the pebbles so they can find their way back to their father and sometimes sometimes life is putting down pebbles and we don't see them because we're allowing ourselves to allowing ourselves to be misdirected and maybe we're misdirecting ourselves based on false beliefs based on our own uh, agendas and our own campaigns for this that or the other um and we're missing we're missing what life is putting down for us life is putting down stuff going pick it up pick it up it's going to lead you somewhere pick it up pick it up it's going to lead you somewhere can't you see we're doing what we can we i've just made life we (laughs) but um you know what i mean don't you do you does that does that resonate does that make any sense to you am i just one man drinking his licorice tea licorice 
I'm going to have some more. It's not as hot as it was when I started this an hour ago. But it is still delicious. Um, I think there's only one other thing to to talk about briefly. Um, and that is the ashes. <laughs> the ashes. The historic sporting event that takes place every two years between England and Australia in the wonderful world of test cricket and some of you might be going what the hell I, I, I barely know what cricket is what's test cricket test cricket is just simply the long form of the game and when I say long if you're uninitiated your head might fall off when I say each match is five games long and they play five times across this series um, and different teams have been in the ascendancy at different times in history for a long time um, Australia were simply an unstoppable force in world cricket and used to pummel the English um, and that pattern did get changed very memorably in 2005 when the English finally found a team with the moxie to fight back. Um, and it was a great event. And I, I'm sure I've referred to this before. I know I have. And it, it converted um, it converted a lot of neutrals to, to the game. Um, so, yeah. And the Ashes has been playing out this year, this summer, in England. Um, there's been four out of five tests so far and it's been a bit back and forth the Australians won the first two uh, the first two games the first two matches um, the first two tests um, not completely dominant England have had some moments but maybe some bad decisions and maybe a bit of bad luck it's a, you know, it's a fascinating game all the, all the vagaries and variables and then the English were massively galvanised um, towards the end of the second test when the Australians dismissed one of their batsmen by what they saw as a cheap shot where the batsman left his safe zone by the wicket and the wicketkeeper just instinctively threw the ball to knock the stumps off the uh, to knock the bales off the stumps and get that player out but the player thought that that period of play was over and that it was unsportsmanlike. Um, but the umpires hadn't actually indicated officially that it was over. So within the laws of the game, it was okay. But the English were furious and they fought back ferociously. They didn't win that game, but they came back and did win the next test, the third of five. And the fourth test finished this weekend. And it finished as a very unsatisfactory draw forced by heavy rain on the final day of the test and England had been totally dominant in that test um, so the English are feeling very hard done by like they didn't get a chance to win and because they didn't win the only possible final overall result for the entire five test series is a draw between the two countries and Australia are the current holders of the title. And because it's a draw, they get to retain the Ashes. And the English will not get to win. So it's um, it's been niggly. And the English were getting very excited. Very excited. They were sure they were going to be romping to a famous victory. And the momentum would carry them into the final test where they'd win again. That's what they probably thought. But now, rain has stopped play. It stopped that particular party. And it was part of me that was like, you know what? Fair enough. Because the English can get a bit carried away with themselves. Can't they, lads? Come on. If you're English and you're listening, you know it's true. Anyway, there you go. That's been um, that's been enjoyable. And I'll be watching the final test, which starts uh, this Thursday, I believe. Okay, that's it. That's all I've got. Um, yeah, I don't know what that... that I don't know how to categorise this episode. Reportage. 
a bit of a wrap up of recent things, recent watchings and recent doings and current beings. But that is all I've got for you this week. So I hope that was diverting, informative, stimulating on some level, maybe even amusing and hopefully not boring. Um, Maybe the last part about cricket was, but I stand by that mini report. Okay, you can you can do what? You can throw me some love on social media. All the links will be there wherever you're listening to this. If you're so inspired, so moved, so motivated, you can become a patron of this show using the Patreon link. That's patreon.com forward slash the clear out. And I would welcome anything you could give, but otherwise like, share, comment, rate, subscribe. All the normal kind of things. And I'd be delighted with any of that. It all helps. Okay, that's it. I will talk to you next week. Take it easy. Mind yourselves. Bye.